Today we will complete the book of Hosea, and next Sunday we'll move right on into uh, Joel. We're going to continue through these minor prophets that you have, and we still have some of the books back in the back, if you'd like one, that contains these four that we're looking at in this series. Uh, But Hosea. Hosea is an interesting prophet and a well-known prophet in the biblical times. Hosea, as small as it is, only 14 chapters, is quoted in the New Testament. I'm not talking about illusions. I'm not talking about ideas. I'm talking about quoted. Hosea is quoted in the New Testament eight times. It was an important prophetic book because it's a book that talked about God's love. God's love for His people, His covenant love, His love for all of creation. And and let me just give you a little flavoring of that. For instance, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. (coughs) And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, guess which prophet? Hosea. Out of Egypt, I'll call my son. Now, Obviously, the Hosea passage that Matthew is quoting and saying Jesus is a fulfillment of that, obviously it was talking about when the nation of Israel was called out of Egypt. But at the same time, prophetically, Hosea is saying Jesus is Israel. Jesus is the representative of Israel in terms of salvation history, in terms of what it means for you and I. Another one, Romans chapter 9. Starting with verse 25, 24. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, as indeed he saw in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people, and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in, every, in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called the sons of the living God. He's quoting Hosea chapter 2 verse 23 and Hosea chapter 1 verse 10. And the idea there is that God's love extends to all people. 
Jews and Gentiles. Now, how do we understand what the New Testament writers did in terms of these Old Testament passages? How do you and I look at that and make application for what we see going on today? And and I want to present to you, this is more instructional, uh, but I think it's beneficial and it helps us as we study God's Word. I want, to, I want to lay before you today a way that we can move from Scripture to application. And in order to do that, I believe there are at least three lenses that we have to look at, borrowing from the field of optometry. When we start with a passage of Scripture, it's important, first of all, to know exactly what that passage is saying. That's why several weeks ago now, when we were closing up the book of Galatians, I shared with you how in Galatians, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, if we look at the original language that it was written in, the Greek language, that verse says the fruit singular of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, okay? Now, in English, the word fruit can mean what? One piece? Five pieces? We say, here, here's some fruit. And it might be a bowlful, right? That's not how the Greek language was. And that makes it very difficult sometimes to make a good translation. Because when the English has a word fruit that's either singular or plural, or we have the word you, which is either singular or plural, the Greek didn't have that. It was more specific. They had a you singular and a you all. We do too in Kentucky, but you know. In the Greek, fruit is singular. And that's why I've shared with you that in my Bibles, every one of them, I have taken my pen and after love, I've put a, sem- a colon in. Because the punctuation didn't come until 1200 and 1600 anyway. It was done by men. It wasn't a part of the original inspiration of the Scriptures. So I put a colon in there, and mine says the fruit of the Spirit is love. How do we know love? We know it by means of joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things. We've got to know, first of all, what the text says. And in this day and age, in many ways you have to rely on my study and my time. Now, You know, don't you, that at the beginning years of our nation, back in the 1700s and 1800s, you didn't get out of grammar school unless you knew Greek and Latin. So in those days, everybody sitting in the pew could say, oh, well, let me see, let me go to the Greek text and check that out, and they could find it out. We've got to know what the text says. But then once we know what that text says, what those words say, we've got to know then 
How did people in the first century, the recipients of those letters, the recipients of those books, how did they understand what it said? What was their understanding of the exile? I, I don't know if you realize this, but Second Temple Judaism, which was the life of Christ, they knew they were back in, the, in Jerusalem and Judea, but they did not believe the exile was over. They believed they were still living in the exile. Why? Because they weren't in control of their country. Rome was. And to be back in their land meant to be out of the exile meant they would be back in control. So when we read passages that talk about the conclusion of the exile and the return, we've got to put our mindset into theirs and say, well, they, they didn't believe yet this happened. And that's why a lot of those predictions that you read in the New Testament and the Gospels, a lot of those are pointing to 70 A.D. when Jerusalem and Judea was destroyed and the temple was flattened. Then once we understand how it was understood in the first century, then we've got to look at our own context, our own situation. And you know what? Our context is different from my brother. Uh, I don't know if Robert's with us this morning, but my bro- brother Robert over in Kenya. Uh, it's different than my brother Veraswamy in India. Our culture is a little bit different everywhere. And we've got to look and say, how does this teaching, the principle behind this passage, how does it relate to the culture in which we find ourselves. And then when we've done that work, what the text says, how the text was understood, and what our present context is, then we can make application of God's Word. And we can't shortchange that process anywhere. So, let's go back to Hosea. And look, let's look at what Hosea means in terms of understanding God's love. Because that's what these last chapters are about. Chapters 11 through 14. And I'm not going to read all of them. We're going to read some selective passages. And then I'll make three points of, of, conf, of contact with those. Okay? Chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals, burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness and the bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. I bent down to them and fed them. Chapter 14. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to Him, take away all iniquity. Accept what is good. And we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Verse 9. 
Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. May God add His blessing to our reading of His Word this morning. When I look at these last four chapters, one of the first things that stands out to me is God's true nature. The God that you and I serve is compassionate. Compassionate. That's why the hair on the back of my neck just goes up and and I start having internal reactions when I hear people say when somebody dies, well, it must have been their time. God must have needed another angel in heaven. Like God is somebody up there just saying, oh, that one's time. Oh, time for this one. That's not what it means when it says God knows uh, the number of our days. It's talking about a qualitative knowledge. Not the quantity of our days. And God's not sitting up there saying, oh, I need another angel so that if it's somebody in your family, Rich and Cindy, so that you can be grieved and heartbroken because God needed an angel. Does that make sense? No! The God we serve is a God who is compassionate. Look at all these phrases right at the beginning of chapter 11. I loved Him. I called my Son. It was I who taught. I took them up by the arms. I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness. Bands of love. I became to them as one who eases the yoke of their jaws. I bent down and fed them. Verse 8. How can I give you up? How can I hand you over? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zedon? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. One thing that Hosea makes absolutely clear is that God loves us. No matter how much we fail Him, no matter how far we stray, God loves us. And listen to me. God loves the people we are prone to hate. And that's why we need to be praying for our enemies. For those who despitefully use us. Those those are verses in the Bible. We have a God who loves us and wants the best for us. He did not give us this book 
to keep us from having fun. He gave us this book so that we could live abundantly. I was just asked a question yesterday. Do you know any studies? Are you aware of any information regarding the physical and emotional health of women who have had abortions? And I said, yes, I am. Yes, I am. You won't read it with the mass media. You won't find it referred to often. But the percentage of women who have ongoing physical problems related to their female anatomy is greater for those who have had an abortion than it is for those who have not. The physiological side of it. Emotionally, women who have had an abortion have far more emotional problems than even women who were raped who chose to keep the child. The Bible has things that are to help us live abundantly, not lives that are burdened. Why? Because God loves us. We have a fish tank at home. Now how much sense would it be for me to get the net and take one of those fish out of the fish tank, put it on the table and say, there you go, now you're free. And yet that's what a lot of people want to do. They want to say, oh, let's get rid of that book. It's old, it's not relevant. It's old-fashioned. Let's get rid of that and let's be really free. And the end result, according to the Scriptures, death. Death. Why do you think the Bible says things like, don't put up with a sluggard? Somebody that doesn't want to work. Doesn't want to do anything. Why do you think the Bible says don't put up with them? Because it is emotionally devastating to people to be in that situation. The Bible is for our good because it comes from a God who loves us. The second thing that I see in these chapters of of Hosea is that God is a God who has made everlasting promises and he's going to be faithful to those promises. Now, several of us studied the book of Romans together and one of my favorite passages in the Bible, I I know maybe I shouldn't have favorites, but I do. I like those that, that I like to go to. It's uh, actually Paul's thesis or thematic statement for the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. 
But I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith, trusting, allegiance, faithfulness. God has made promises. And Paul says God is going to be faithful to those promises because that's the righteousness of God to uphold His covenant promises. And that's revealed in the Gospel. And in Hosea, Hosea says, verse, chapter 12, verse 6, reminding them of how even in their deceitfulness and rebellion, God was there. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice, and wait continually for your God. Why? Because God's going to be faithful. Verse 9, I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. I will again make you dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. God is saying there in Hosea, I'm the the God who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one who gave you your freedom. I'm the one who gave you your land. And I'm going to be there. As with Jacob. Chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. Jacob fled to the land of Aram. And yet, verse 13, by a prophet of the Lord, brought Israel up from Israel. Jacob left. He ran. But God was there, true to His covenant, to bring him back. I mean, look at this idea. I'll again make you dwell in tents as you did in the days of the feast. In other words, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make sure that everything... Stay with me, please. They'll be okay. I'm going to make sure that you will have the promises that were made to you. That's my nature. That's who I am. I love you. And as with them when they went after false gods, chapter 13, verse 4, but I'm your God from the land of Egypt. You know no God but me. And besides me, there is no Savior. I mean, right through all of this, He is staying faithful. Keeping those promises. Verse 14 of chapter 13. I'll I'll ransom them from the powers of Sheol. I'll redeem them from death. That's why that's why there is no sting in death. And guess what? That's where Paul goes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. 
when the perishable puts on the perishable and the mortal put on the mortal immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting quoting Hosea chapter 13 verse 14 because we have a compassionate God who loves us a God who keeps his promises then we have a God who also issues to us a call chapter 14 the last chapter of his book we read it together return O Israel to the Lord your God for you've stumbled because of your iniquity Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to Him, take away my iniquity. In other words, what's He telling us to do? Repent. Just come back to Me and repent. Verse 4, I'll heal their apostasy. I'll love them freely. I'll be like the dew to Israel. We have some flowers that I'm going to be honest, were it not for the dew, they probably would have dried up. Because we don't think sometimes about watering outdoor flowers. But that dew comes sometimes heavy and it's a little bit of a refreshment. But where does it start? Where does it start for you and I? Where did it start for Hosea and the people there? If they would have done it. But they didn't do it. You see, it matters nothing how much that book says if we don't live by it. And the only thing that happens when we don't live by that book is that the people around us say, no sense in going to that church. They're just a bunch of hypocrites anyway. Why? Oh, so-and-so. Have you ever seen the way he acts during the week? Have you ever listened to so-and-so's mouth? The way they spread gossip and talk negative about everybody? Why, I did business with a member of that church and they treated me wrong. See, when we don't live by this book, we are denying the validity and the truth of it. So maybe it's time for us to pause for us to say, I wonder where so-and-so's gone. I wonder if I said something or if I acted in a way that caused them to leave. They might not ever come back, but you know, maybe I need to write them a note or call them or apologize for my horrendous behavior. 
even if it was the truth. See, the Bible says speak the truth, but it doesn't give us freedom to hurt people while we're doing that. It says speak the truth in love. And the message of Hosea is that God loves you, loves you so much that He would have Hosea marry a woman who was not going to be faithful to Him, have children by other men, and yet God was going to say, Hosea, you take them back and treat them as they are your own. Let not my people become my people. Let those who don't deserve mercy receive mercy. And then, those lands of Jezreel that stand for, for death and corruption can once again stand for what they truly should stand for, blossoming and growth. A major message from a minor book. Let's pray. Father God, just continue to lead us to truth as we continue in this series of messages through the minor prophets. Help us to hear your word, to look at what it says and then what it meant to its first hearers and then how it can apply in our situation. Use us to be prophets, people speaking the truth from your word doing so in love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.